introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Another episode of the Pocket Protectors Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Jason. Joined once again by two of the smartest doctors on Vikings Twitter. Doctor Eric with the the, the QB. Wait, wait, which QB, which QB you rocking on the shirt there, man? I believe this is the MVP of the NFL one Kirk. I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh boy. <laughs> Freud would have something to say about that. He would. <laughs> he would. Can you imagine, can you imagine what the crow would taste like if he won MVP? Oh my God. Kirk, I oh mean, man. if he won, if he won MVP, I feel like some pretty amazing things happened this season. And exactly. so I think, I think we'd I all be okay with it. I'd enjoy, I'd enjoy being wrong for and sure. And I feel like most of the people who would have the most vile things to say to me have long been muted on social media, so they'd just be screaming into the abyss anyway. That's right. There that's right. <laughs> so we'd be all right. Uh, Dr. Nick? <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, sir? I'm good, man. It's too hot. This weekend's <laughs> unbearably hot, man. Yeah. I was just yeah. like camped it out inside my house all weekend, too scared to go outside. Yeah, like a heat uh, advisory in effect from like Thursday through Tuesday. That's like not natural. It is not natural. It's uh, it's so hot that like yeah, kids and old people could die if they go outside. It's it's not the way it's supposed to be, at no. all. All right. Well, not sure. I I think I guess maybe there was a hot fire segue in there some way that I could go to bring it back to the show, but we're not going to do that. We're almost all the way through, and I think at this point in the season, Eric has us at six and six. Nick has us at seven and five, and we're going into the final quarter of the season, fourth quarter, and really there's still everything to play for here. We're just going to get all the cliches out. In both circumstances, the Vikings still have the opportunity really right there in front of them to uh, get where they want to go. And uh, Eric, we'll start things off here with the Vikings playing the Detroit Lions at home to kick things off in the, uh, the 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 final quarter of the season, what are your thoughts on how this matchup goes, and uh, are are you picking them to get things off on uh, on the right foot? Yeah, I remember uh, you know the first two times the Lions played the Vikings at US Bank Stadium, they lost. Uh, remember the Golden Tate touchdown in 2016, and then 2017 there was the game where they lost 14-7 to a surging Detroit team. Dalvin Cook tore his ACL in that game. Uh, I believe Case Keenum was garbage, and then they they were two and two, and uh, they were you know uh, sort of struggling at the time. We could have never seen thirteen and three out of that. So interesting. Last year they got off. They had what nine or ten sacks in the game uh, at home against Detroit. I think it's probably similar uh, in terms of the spread. Last year I believe the spread in that game was about six. I I have it currently at about six and a half. Obviously. You know, when you're 12 weeks into the season, 13 weeks into the season at that point with the bye, 
Uh, a lot can happen, but as we look at it preseason here, I think Minnesota is a decided favorite in this game um, and probably should uh, go ahead and, and complete uh, the season sweep of Detroit here. I love that. I love that. Short, sweet, season sweep. Nick, are you on the same page as Eric here? Are we just going in taking care of business at home versus the Detroit Lions? I am, and I, I think that the Lions just aren't a talented enough team to hang with the other three teams in the NFC North. They're just on a different tier. And, you know, they could surprise us, but I also think they could surprise us by how bad they are. And this could be a lame duck situation where Patricia's gone mid-year and the Lions are starting to think about how to replace Matt Stafford because it's been a long time. They haven't really done anything in a long time. Um, They've added some interesting pieces in the Patriots of the NFC North but it's easy to see it not coming together. And I just don't think the Lions are talented enough to come into U.S. Bank Stadium and win. So I think the Vikings should be heavy favorites here. All right. And uh, the comment that you just made about Matt Stafford just reminds me of a thread I saw on Twitter earlier today. Um, just, you know, it's a quick aside. We don't have to go too far down the path here. But when you look at a guy like Matt Stafford, what tier of quarterbacks uh, are you putting him in, Nick? He's somewhere in the middle. You know, he's definitely a starter. He's got one of the best arms just in terms of pure strength, but that can only take you so far. He's also really underrated in how he moves and senses pressure in the pocket. We don't normally think of him as like an elite pocket mover, but I think he he is up there. Um, but he's just, he makes bad decisions with the football and he keeps doing it no matter who the offensive coordinator is. And he's uh, his accuracy is mediocre at best. So he just keeps getting these guys fired and they keep running out of scapegoats. And it's like, you know, if you if you uh, have problems with like one person, well, then that person's a jerk. But if everybody you meet is, is like a jerk, well, then maybe you're the problem. So I think that's Matt Stafford. You know, he's he's good enough to start for a team. I don't want to over go overboard with the criticism, but he's just not a very he's, – he's the exact kind of quarterback you don't want to pay and then be stuck with. Huh. I think, I mean, I have a slightly different opinion only because I look at sort of how that, so early in his career, he was magnificent in 2011. He took a team that had not made the playoffs, I believe, since 2000, maybe 1999, and took him to the playoffs in 2011 uh, in a division that had a 15-1 and team, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, you know, completing over 63% of his passes, 41 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. Obviously, Calvin Johnson does a lot there, um, but you also have seen, you know, that team has had busts in like Brandon Pettigrew, Eric Ebron, Nate Burleson was a guy that was supposed to be really good for them. He didn't play particularly well. Um, and then you sort of go and, yeah, he struggled a little bit in 2012. Um, but, you know, he had this team. I mean, basically, they have a record that's, a game over 500 since 2013, despite the fact that they're the Lions and they're bad and they like historically bad. I mean, uh, I don't know. I I I have a hard time. I mean, especially you know he started a struggle in 2015. I believe it was 15, and they installed Jim Bob Cooter as the offensive coordinator and you saw some increase he, you know we went to 7.3 yards per pass attempt in 2016 7.9 in 2017 he had a dip last season but i think a lot of that and you know i think jim bob cooter at least you know said this out loud is that you know the, the from up top 
the, the, the head coach really sort of put the squeeze on that offensive coordinator, made them try to run the football more. And you saw a decrease uh, basically in the effectiveness of Stafford. They also traded his best receiver out from underneath him in the middle of the season. And then Marvin Jones, a pretty good third option, got hurt. And so, I don't know. I think he's I think he's like there's an argument to be made that he's better than Kirk Cousins. Um, but I, I certainly agree with Nick that he's not like a top ten guy. I just think he gets a lot of flack for being a quarterback who, you know, is healthy every single game, you know, has the, the freaking Detroit Lions uh, playing above five hundred football up until last year. Uh, and, and, you know, has dealt with, you know, the management. I mean, they signed Jim Caldwell to a contract extension, like four games into 2017, finished nine and seven, and then fired him. Like that's not, fun <laughs> that's not a functional organization, right? Jim Caldwell, one of the more underrated coaches in the NFL, in my opinion, like, I mean, that's what Stafford has to deal with. I am not going to lie. I was not expecting an impassioned defense of Matt Stafford from Eric tonight. That was definitely not something that I saw in the cards, but uh, okay. Well, it's the same thing with like Kirk Cousins. He's like not a great quarterback, but at some point with uh, enough of the criticism piles on, at some point you have to say enough is enough. <laughs> exactly. You can do a lot worse. Exactly. That's how I am with Kirk now too. If people try to tell me Kirk is trash, I'm going to come back <laughs> and say no. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say no. Of course he's not trash. He's not like, but I, I put Stafford and Kirk in the same tier and I, and I think people thought last year was because Stafford played poorly, and I see it more like he was hurt. You traded his best receiver the middle of the season, <laughs> and and your head coach was busy telling reporters to like sit up straight and like basically cut off Jim Bob Cooter from you know being like a I would say like not a, a more aggressive offense. He had them running the ball more, which of course is not a recipe for winning. So. I don't know. I, any guy that can go nine and seven or better multiple seasons with the Detroit Lions has a little bit of my respect. <laughs> That's fair. And and I, I'm a, um, I'm uh, in agreement that, you know, Stafford, Kirk, similar tier of quarterback. Uh, I guess this is the last question and we'll move off because we've gone you know, far off the tangent. We'll get through the next couple of games a little bit more quickly or the next three games more quickly. But in that tier, I guess from your perspective, is it better to have that quarterback that's in that tier that keeps you hovering around 500 year over year that might get hot, have a great season. But for the most part, you're going to be kind of in and around that 500 range, uh, maybe a game or two over, a game or two under. Or is it better to uh, – obviously having the elite quarterback is, is what everyone wants. But if you don't have the elite quarterback, is that the kind of tier three average, sometimes above average guy what you want? Or would you rather just have a, a crappy quarterback so that you have a chance of, of finding the new one in the draft? I mean, I think you try to burn it down. Um you know, and then try, you know, try for the the court, the top quarterbacks in the draft. I can see why Detroit bought into Stafford because they've been horrible for so long. And you finally have a QB that's like functional after like the years of Joey Harrington and like Charlie Batch and all that nonsense. So I can see why they did it. And like, just for them to stay easy with the Charlie Batch slander, Eric, stay afloat <laughs> for like, you know, not, they've been like a functional franchise. The, the issue then is like sort of the same thing with like Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton and company. It's like, okay, yeah, now you, your fans were bored with you and you were horrible. And now they're going to be just as bored with you. If you're consistently seven, nine, eight, and eight, nine, and seven. So, um, it's it's hard. I mean, it's not an easy decision. I think you know, sitting in the cheap seats, I would say 
you know, go ahead and, uh, you know, try to try to draft somebody who ends up being truly elite. But um, it's also there's a lot of self-fulfilling prophecy when the guy's the number one overall pick. That's fair. Where are you at with it, Nick? Yeah, I wouldn't add too much onto that. I think you can have a healthy debate over where the Dalton line is and who's the worst quarterback that you would still pay franchise money to. I think you definitely would prefer to be in a situation where you're drafting first round picks and maybe they hit or, uh, and if they don't, you can just draft another one the next year or the year after. Um, I think that's definitely a better situation. So like, I think we talked about this before, but the Jets with Sam Darnold are in a better situation with their quarterback room than the Vikings are with Kirk Cousins, despite them both being in the same situation a couple of years ago, just because of Kirk Cousins puts a ceiling on where you can go, whereas Darnold, maybe he pans out and becomes like a top 10 quarterback. And if he doesn't, the Jets can probably just go ahead and draft another one. So I think that's where you want to be because it's really quarterbacks drive so much of winning football games and the premium you get from having a marginally better quarterback is just worth it. So you want to, you want to be rolling the dice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move it along to a uh, great quarterback, often underrated. Let's talk about the uh, Los Angeles chargers. I don't know that that's ever going to feel natural saying it, but Nick, you get to start us off with the Los Angeles chargers, the Vikings on the road for what could be a, a home game, just based on what people have said about going yeah, to those chargers games in LA. I think our uh, friend, how do you see this our, one going? Our friend and former co-host Luke Braun will certainly be at this game. Yeah, Luke will be there for sure. So, you know, one ten thousandth of a home field advantage there in Luke repping, repping the Vikings. I think the Chargers are maybe the most talented team in the NFL. Just like looking purely at player talent, ignoring the coaching, they have Phil Rivers a perennially underrated quarterback, but a top 10 quarterback still, even as he's getting older and older. They have Keenan Allen, who despite his Madden rating is one of the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL. You can make an argument top five because that's where his, that's where his grading has been. Um, Mike Williams caught 10 touchdowns last year. Uh, he's a very good wide receiver. And then Travis Benjamin, Melvin Gordon, we'll see what happens with him with his playing. But I mean, that's just stacking. I mean, you're not even getting a Hunter Henry coming back who, before he went down with his injury last year um, in his rookie season, was really looking like the next true, uh, you hate to make a Gronkowski comparison, but like a true both ways tight end, like demolishing people in the blocking game um, and then destroying linebackers in the passing game. So uh, just flush with talent there on the offensive side and then the defensive side, they might be even more talented between Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, um, Casey Hayward, uh, the uh, Derwin James and they added Nazar Adderley and they're, they're just, um, and they added that, that three technique, Jerry Tillery, who uh, should play and had make an instant impact. So they're just, they're just flush with talent everywhere. And so despite the fact that their home field advantage isn't much of one, I would, I would pick the Chargers just based on their talent. I also think um, their coaching is, is, is not something that gets talked about a lot, but um, I think Anthony Lynn's a really good schemer. The, the Chargers were third in offensive DVOA last year, and I think they were eighth in defensive DVOA. So I think they're the only team that was top 10 in both. And until the Patriots just kind of blew them out and made us forget about them, they were really looking like a very complete team. And, you know, the, the one caveat is Chargers kind of always look like this. I feel like for the last two decades, they've put together some extremely talented rosters and they just haven't been able to get it done. So we'll see what happens. But I think just looking at the, the talented 
the disparities in talent in the rosters, I think you have to favor the Chargers here. Okay. All right, Eric, where are you at? Chargers, yeah, I, Vikings. Vikings yeah, I mean, on the Nick, road. Nick's 100% right. The, the Chargers are, you know, one of the best, if not the, the best teams in the league in terms of talent. There's two issues that I have, and it's why – I sort of, you know, when I when I crank the numbers out, Chargers are favorite. They're favored by more than a field goal in this game. Big, there is a big issue with the fact that it's not really home field advantage. Uh, Zimmer does a really good job when he plays teams like this. Um, you know, the Vikings always seem to play up to the good teams, down to the bad teams sometimes. Um, but the the thing with the Chargers, the two reasons that I'm I'm lower on them sometimes than I should be is Philip Rivers' age and Anthony Lynn not necessarily his ability to motivate men, not necessarily his ability to scheme, but his in-game decision-making oftentimes leaves a lot on the, on the plate. So, uh, you know, whether it's like kicking field goals on fourth and one repeatedly, or just like, you know, one of the things that they do is they have the, the slowest pace in the NFL. Like, you know, they just simply like they run the ball a lot on first and second down and, and, you know, slowing down the pace will make games that you're supposed to win less likely for you to win because there are fewer plays, right? That's why basketball, the favorite, wins more than every other sport because there are 200 points per team, you know, in the game. And there's a lot of, you know, noise that's like, you know, wrung out of the, of, of the rag there. But in football, if you make the game slower – you leave more variance on the table. And that's a good thing if you're bad. It's a bad thing if you're good because another team can, you know, can come back and beat you in a low-scoring game. So I see this game a little bit closer than a lot of people do. I think the Chargers should be favored. Um, but there's two reasons. And mostly it's mostly Anthony Lynn, but also we've seen Phillip Rivers completely crap the bed before. He's had great seasons recently, 2013, 2018 this back half of 2017, but they've also been a team that started 0-4. They've also had 2015 and 2016 where they didn't even sniff the playoffs. The Vikings might luck into a situation where it's one of those latter seasons and they're playing a Chargers team left for dead here. Uh, and Minnesota, if they're 7-6 and six going into this game, might have a lot of motivation and could come up with a win. But for now, I think it's a, a short Chargers uh, favorite here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've seen Rivers' arm kind of deteriorate a little bit over the years. And like with Peyton Manning, when when their arms fall off, it happens. You can kind of see the decline in advance. But when it happens, it's a very precipitous fall. And this being at the end of the year, you could envision a situation where Rivers' arm is just shot at the situation. So one, one positive the Chargers have is that Tyrod Taylor is probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And so if Rivers hey, were. Don't, to- don't do my man Teddy like that. <laughs> that's yeah yeah that's true i forgot about it. well yeah i i consider teddy a starter an heir apparent but well, there the, we go. <laughs> uh but like tyrod taylor is is about as good as it gets in terms of backups yeah. and so if the chargers do struggle and he has to play because rivers is ineffective or something like that i mean he's a guy that he's he's the type of quarterback that could beat the vikings <laughs> yeah. especially with those weapons I, I i do love me some tyrod I, I was sad that, that Eugene couldn't stick, but, you know, Tyrod coming in there, you know, it makes the blow just a little bit easier for me to handle. So with this one here, Chargers favorite, but there are some scenarios in which, you know, the Vikings could come in and take this one. Rivers' arm slowing down, Lynn playing into the Vikings' hands by not taking advantage of his team's superior talents. 
all things that we're hoping for as we go into this matchup. So uh, moving things right along here, and we get into the uh, the games that, you know, the NFL, they, they probably got it right with the way that they, they've scheduled over the last few years here, putting these division games right at the end of the year. And so we have the Vikings. In this one, the Packers are coming into U.S. Bank Stadium. Eric, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I mean, I think the Vikings should be favored here by more than a field goal. Uh, probably more like four last season when Green Bay came to Minnesota. It was a three-and-a-half-point spread, and the Vikings covered that, although Devontae Adams dropped a touchdown that probably would have you know, got it to three. So these teams are you know, basically a field goal apart, uh, and I think Minnesota here um, is the stronger team for right now. There's a lot of question marks in Green Bay, um, and, and what I have specifically for question marks for them is their head coach uh, and their quarterback. There's probably a lot of situations where Rodgers plays up to expectations, doesn't want to, you know, give Mike McCarthy sort of the last laugh. But, you know, we can't ignore the fact that Matt LaFleur had almost no experience calling plays until last year in Tennessee. And then that Tennessee offense was not very good, despite he calling plays. So um, they get him at home. They've historically played Green Bay pretty well i think they have not lost to green bay at u.s bank stadium if i'm if i'm recalling correctly but all the way back to the first game ever played there um so you know that that's been sort of back to the brett Favre days where denny green always beat mike holmgren at home i think that that sort of gives them a huge advantage uh so you know get a win here go to set uh, eight and seven whose coaching tree is uh is lafleur from uh he is uh mcveigh so he yeah. was the so former PFF quarterback analyst Zach Robinson was in is currently in Matt LaFleur's job. So okay. it was Matt so it was Matt LaFleur was like offensive coordinator slash QB coach. Uh, and then he was signed by Tennessee sight unseen, really, because he hadn't called any plays because McVay calls the plays. Uh, and then he called the plays for Tennessee last year. They were weirdly not McVeighian in their like sort of offensive, like explosiveness, play calling, all that nonsense. Um, and he ended up getting the Green Bay job despite that. Um, we have to be a little bit careful, though, because, you know, guys like Mike McCarthy, for example, McCarthy's offense in 2005 in San Francisco was the worst in the NFL. And then he still became the head coach of Green Bay and was a pretty good offensive coach until the last probably half a decade. But so there it's weird to sort of chase those things. But um I, I think I think it I think to some degree they're real. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, you know the challenges of um, from your perspective trying to project a, a team like Green Bay where you have those big question marks for the uh, the offensive scheme, the play calling, what that's going to look like. How do you kind of create a baseline for yourself of what your expectation is going to be? Do you look back at the coaching tree? Do you look at his most recent stint in Tennessee, uh, or do you kind of just using you know Aaron Rodgers and him? being a good quarterback as your starting point like how do you yeah how do you start when there are so many variables in terms of what the team might look like offensively you you do you you have a rating for him that's based upon how he performed with the players he had the prior so for us it'd be okay Tennessee has this collection of players this is how they graded this is how they should have performed given those players that graded and this is how Tennessee actually performed and so I have I haven't exactly looked at where he was. I know he was not in the top half of the league, um, and, and that's you know indicative of Tennessee did have some good players. Corey Davis is a pretty good player. Their offensive line is solid. Uh, Delaney Walker didn't play a ton last year, so that 
that didn't help him. Um, Mariota's a good, not great quarterback. So you you basically had like average sort of like conditions to work with other than the Blaine Gabbert games and their offense was not average. So that's kind of how you look at that. And then you say, okay, you know, over the course of history, you have a quarterback that grades this well with a coach that grades this well. And that sort of goes, those sort of go into the model as like, you know, features. Um, and that's how they shake out. So that's why, for example, last season, you know, we had Andy Reid, who was one of the best coaches in the league. And then you had Mahomes, who had limited data, but the data we had on him was good. And that's why we had, you know, Kansas City with like a, you know, I got made fun of, of this by George, but like Kansas City had a higher probability of winning the Super Bowl going into last year by our model than Pittsburgh, even though it, at this time last year, Pittsburgh was clearly favored to do so. Um, and it's again, because when you merge good quarterback with good coach, you know, it's greater than the sum of the parts here. We don't have that situation. So we're still left wondering a little bit. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And uh, Nick, I know uh, you, you stirred things up a little bit the first time around when we were talking about the Packers. Uh, I guess, what are your thoughts? I know you, uh, you mentioned, you think the Packers are a very talented team. You think they match up very well. You like what they've been doing from a personnel standpoint. How do you see this matchup going for the Vikings at home versus Green Bay here as we uh, wind down the season? Yeah, I'll stick by my take that I think the Packers are a more talented team than the Vikings. I think especially when you look at last year, the problem really was the defense as opposed to the offense. I know Mike McCarthy got a lot of flack. He got fired. Aaron Rodgers got a lot of flack. And now we're talking about is he washed, even though he graded out very well and his offensive efficiency numbers were very good. Uh, but the defense was like 29th in DVOA. Um, I, th- I think that's despite having a good defensive coach in Mike Pettin. But they had five new starters on the defense, including two first-rounders who look like they'll be instant impact guys and three high-profile free agent signings and filling in both the both the big holes at edge. They were terrible at edge last year. Um, they signed Preston Smith to Darius Smith, uh, and then they brought in Adrian Amos from the Bears. Um, so they should be much improved, I think, on defense. Uh, the pieces that they left are guys like Mike Daniels or Jair Alexander, who I think are very good players. Um, and then you look at like the offensive line, they've got the best left tackle in football, the best tackle, David Bakhtiari. Brian Bulaka is one of the best right tackles in football. I think Corey Lindsley's very good. They've got a pair of guards that, you know, aren't as good, but they also signed Billy Turner and they drafted um, Elton Jenkins. Um, and Devontae Adams is a top 10 wide receiver as well. So while there might be like limited depth after Devontae Adams, um, paired with with Aaron Rodgers, that's just a lot of talent and and. You know, that's not even talking about Aaron Rodgers, who at his best as an MVP caliber quarterback. And you can make the argument that he's the most talented quarterback we've ever seen play the game. So and 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 it, Aaron Jones, I think, is a phenomenal running back. They were third in rushing DBA last year. And um, so this is just a very talented team. I think when you look at coaching, um, you know, Matt LaFleur, I would I would sort of echo what we saw last year of him is not does not inspire a lot of confidence, although. Um, it was kind of a weird scheme that, you know, McVay's system is so outside zone based and they weren't really an outside zone team. I think I, I found that out like while watching Josh Klein, who we signed from the Titans. Um, and I was sort of ex- excited to see all these outside zone snaps and there weren't a lot of them. Um, so I, I think even though Stefanski is a uh, complete unknown there, I would guess it's not something I have a lot of confidence in, but I would guess that Stefanski would be a better offensive coordinator just because. Um, you know, Pat Shermer liked him and uh, the Moneyball Cleveland guys liked him. So I like those endorsements. Um, and then I think Zimmer is just clearly a much better coach than Pettin. So uh, I think 
the talent matters probably more in, on the whole than the coaching. But at home, I would still favor the Vikings just because, um, you know, these teams are close and the coaching is enough to make it competitive such that with the Vikings having home field advantage, I think they're the they're, they're going to be uh, the winner. You, you bring up a good point about Devontae Adams. I think if, you know, the Vikings have had issues with injuries in their secondary the last few years, especially last season, if, you know, I think that the if the Vikings are healthy on the in the secondary in this game, they will have the matchup advantage with Green Bay's offense because Green Bay's offense does not beat you with a lot of receivers. They beat you with one, uh, and he's very good. If, if Rhodes and or Waynes and or Alexander are injured, I think that like Devontae Adams represents a mismatch against some of the younger replacement level guys that the Vikings have, and that could hurt them. But I, it's an interesting question of like, that's how it's so hard to handicap a game this far into the future, because like to me, you know, football's a matchup game. And to me, like that's an interesting matchup that I think the, the Packers have an advantage in, in certain circumstances, but the Vikings have, uh, an advantage in, in a lot of other circumstances. Awesome. Last question, putting you both on the spot here. Eric, start with you. Aaron Jones or Dalvin Cook? In a vacuum, which one are you taking? Cook. Okay, Nick, same question. Aaron Jones, but only because of Cook's injury history. Okay. I think when they're both healthy, Dalvin's a better running back by a decent margin. All right, like it, like it, like it. Let's move things along here. Final game of the season, everything on the line, everything to play for. Chicago Bears coming to U.S. Bank Stadium. Nick, how do you see this one going? I'm still sticking by my Bears will suck mantra. Um, one thing I didn't mention last week is on top of all the regression we should expect from their defense, the Bears were the third least injured team in football last year. Yep. Uh, which you might not remember because Trubisky missed some time and Khalil Mack missed some time. But uh, even when you wait that, I think uh, man games lost weights injuries by um, uh, AV. And when you adjust for AV, they were still the third least injured team. And football outsiders had the same thing uh, with their adjusted games lost. So they were a unusually lucky team when it came to injuries. That usually regresses towards mean um I think it's interesting to note that the 2018 Bears had the second best DVOA of any defense in the last 10 years. The best team in the last decade was also the Bears in 2012 with Lovey Smith, surprisingly. And the year after that, they went from the best team to like one of the bottom teams in football, because that's just what happens when, you know, they, they lost Lovey Smith and somebody else came in and they still had a lot of talent. Um, they still had uh, Tina Tillman and they had, um, uh, what's his name? The, the defensive line. They had a lot of guys. They were still a talented team. Uh, they lost Erlacher, I think, in the offseason that year, but they just cratered hard. And, you know, the pack, the, the, the Bears now have lost Callahan. They've lost Amos. They uh, should, shouldn't be as healthy. Uh, really, the only thing they have going for them is maybe Mitch Trubisky pulls a Jared Goff and gets a lot better. But I think that's not a normal. Uh, I, I think Jared Goff is the exception and not the rule. So I, I don't expect the Bears to be uh, one of the better teams in the NFL next year. I think they still have Khalil Mack. They still have Akeem Hicks. They still have a lot of talent on the roster. 
but I just don't expect them to be in the situation where they can come into U.S. Bank Stadium and be favored. So I definitely think the Vikings. Boom. Yeah, that, that 2012 team so interesting, right? Because the characteristic of that team was the fact that Charles Tillman forced like 12 fumbles and they like recovered all of them and they still finished 10 and 6 and out of the playoffs behind the Vikings that year. And, and they came in and the the somebody that was the new head coach is actually fellow Minnesota State uh, uh, grad Mark Tressman. So I actually rooted for the Bears for a couple of years. He was garbage, but, it, it, you know, uh, and he um, he changed that offense to, I believe, that was the year 2013. The following year is the year McCown threw for 13 touchdowns, one pick, got himself basically bought himself another half a decade in the league. Um, Cutler as well had, I believe, his best season that year. And as you said, Nick, the defense just regressed, right? And it regressed because, you know, Erlacher retired, Lance Briggs was injured, missed seven games, Charles Tillman missed eight games. Um, former Viking or soon to be Viking Corey Wooten had to become a starter for them. And he got, a he got a grand total of three sacks as the right defensive end. Um, and Julius Peppers did his sort of regression thing, uh, after his initial years in Chicago. So it's all the things that like, you know, when you get a Royal flush, like the bears did last year, the, you know, Eddie Jackson getting interceptions, Amukamara and Fuller having career years, Bryce Callahan being healthy for most of the season for the first time in his career, Khalil Mack uh, holding off age a little bit. Like none of those things can be guaranteed this next year. Uh, And you couple that with the fact that like, you know, there's a bunch of universes where Mitch Trubisky is not even good enough to start this game. Uh, I I think Minnesota should be favored slightly uh, by, you know, two points or so. And, And people laugh, but this at this particular time last season, we were having Jags fans get after us on Twitter saying, you know, we're, we're just in the AFC title game. You guys are a bunch of haters. Blake has taken the next step. And by God, if Cody Kessler didn't start week 17 or whatever this year, right? So, like, you, you know, it, it, there's just so much. And, th- like, the fact that, you know, it's this isn't week four anymore. This is, you know, the Jags got to three and one, and they just tanked after that. Like, a lot of stuff's going to happen to the Bears th- this year. Uh, and you know, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to run as good as they did last season. We love it. We love it. All right. So now it is time for the really difficult math here. Eric, where do you have the Vikings coming in over this last quarter of the season? And where does that put them for the entire season for you? Where does that have me? So I had them starting five and three. They were one and three in the middle or sorry, in the penultimate four games and so three and one here so they are nine and seven they are a nine and seven kirk and team jason <laughs> nine and seven under oh. nine and a half but push nine <laughs> three and one gets us to nine and seven so nick coming in you had us at seven and five at this point where uh, where are things going to finish up we finished the season 10 and 6. Boom. I don't know if that gets us the division, but gets us a playoff spot, I bet. All right. So, Eric, I think 10 and 6 wins the NFC North. Don't you guys? All right. Division champion. It's going to be enough infighting. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough division. You know, I don't think the one that comes out of it is going to be you know, 13 and 3 or anything. 
So if you guys look at uh, so I, I hosted the sh- the Score North, the Purple Daily with Matthew Collar this week. He wrote about his like time, you know, at the PFF offices. There's a small nugget in that article that says I do think the Vikings win the division. They're they're my favorite by my simulation by about a percentage point over the Bears. The interesting thing is their projected wins in the simulation is about eight and a half. So it's wow. basically what we see wow. here. But the thing is, is those three teams, the Packers, Vikings, and Bears, beat themselves up so much. That's why I think 10-6 and six wins the division because I don't see a team doing what Chicago did, sweep Minnesota, sweep Green Bay, sweep Detroit. I just don't see that happening, right? And so yeah. if they if they all like split with each other, and then I actually think if you – if you know free gambling advice here. If you want a long shot, Detroit is running at about 6-1 to one to win the division. I think that's a pretty good bet. Okay. So we win the division. After all of that, 10 and 6 for Nick, 9 and 7 for Eric. Guess 9 and 7. Do you have us in the playoffs at 9 and 7, Eric? Oh, yeah. Uh for the same reason, yes. For the same reason I give for the NFC North. I'll give it for every other division. The A- NFC West is going to be difficult with Arizona being better, San Francisco being better. I don't see two teams with double digit wins in that division either. Um, the NFC South, I think Tampa is going to be better and I think Atlanta is going to be better. So I don't think new Orleans runs away with it either. I see a lot of nine and seven teams. and I think the Vikings will probably nab one of the wild, be able to much like last season, the second wild card in the NFC will be a nine and seven team. And if the Vikings can get there, I think that they'll make the playoffs. Boom. So there we have it. Either we win the division and host a, a playoff game or we get in as a wild card and we'll just see how things go. We get well, the in problem there. Is if we're eight and seven heading into the last week of the week of the season, going against the Chicago Bears at home, Kirk Cousins. How are we feeling about that now? Kirk Cousins is going to hit Vikings bingo, <laughs> right? So he's going to have he's going to be set <laughs> to play well eventually. Eight six and one, and he's going to lose to a great team that's try, that should have rest starters. Then they're going to be eight and seven, and he's going to lose to a three twelve three and twelve Bears team. Like, you know, just like, <laughs> just like Dante took, you know, the Vikings into Arizona and Josh McCown threw the touchdown at the end of the game. Oh. Like he's going to, it's going to be like, like I said, he's going to have Vikings bingo, right? No, this, or maybe this is where uh, somebody takes Kirk Cousins to the dispensary or something and he <laughs> goes on a Flacco-esque run <laughs> Because he finally relaxes and Denver Super Bowl, comes baby. Denver comes to Minnesota, though. Oh. Although they they go to Seattle after that, maybe that. See, there we go. That's 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 where up. it's all going to change for us. It's where it's three all going to change. Three stocks up. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun, listeners. Hope you enjoyed. This is it. Playoffs, baby. Playoffs. Oh. There we go. So we got it. Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, we will be back to talk to you. Uh, about training camp things, I guess, here uh, in the next week or so. Y'all have a good one, gentlemen. Thanks for coming out.